How do we um, elevate all of our communities' quality of life for all of our communities' economic opportunities by really taking that regional or partnership approach? You know, when there's fragmentation in human communities, that leads to fragmentation on the landscape and fragmentation of wildlife. Rural communities, uh, because they're maybe limited in, in financial access, they come up with more creative strategies and they really come together to partner. And the communities that are doing the best work, you're seeing that um, cross-sector partnerships. Hello, and welcome to Out West, the official podcast of the Western Governors Association bipartisan organization representing the governors of the 22 westernmost states and territories. I'm Jim Oxberry, executive director of WGA. This episode continues our series about reimagining the rural west, the chair's initiative of North Dakota governor and WGA chair Doug Bergen. The series is taking a penetrating look at challenges and opportunities in economic development, infrastructure, and quality of life in the rural west. Today's episode finds WGA policy advisor Laura Cutlip exploring how rural communities are collaborating to achieve success. Forming partnerships between like-minded communities in order to share knowledge, resources, and create collaborative infrastructure is vital in promoting economic development across the West. Strengthen ND is an organization that works in North Dakota's rural communities to improve their quality of life. We spoke with its executive director, Megan Laudenschlager. So Strengthen ND was founded in order to support rural community viability. And the way that we do that is by supporting and accelerating community, community development through three strategies, with the first being building the capacity of nonprofits in rural communities, the second being advancing regional issues, and the third being facilitating community solutions. We always refer to North Dakota as a small town with really big blocks in that we have so many communities that are small, that are um, juxtaposed to one another or just a few miles from one another. And one thing that we support them to think about is how do we look regionally? How do we um, elevate all of our communities' quality of life for all of our communities' economic opportunities by really taking that regional or partnership approach? Laudenschlager explains that collaboration requires more than just familiarity and natural bonds. I think it's innate in North Dakota that we do work really well together. We see each other or see other neighboring communities as really one big neighborhood, but maybe we just haven't been as intentional as to how we deploy those strategies or how we intentionally bring people together um, to start developing shared goals or or shared strategies or shared programs. Um, But I think one piece around understanding that we're stronger together can be a really great message to uh, community leaders in, in different communities of you know, it's really more beneficial if we work together on um, economic opportunities or on community development initiatives. According to Laudenschlager, every community has its own strengths and assets, and that is what makes them stronger together. Sometimes I think we get focused or caught up in the comparison game. Well, my community isn't as good as this community 15 or 50 miles down the road. I think it's really important that as individuals, we look at all of the great 
assets or the great um, circumstances that we have going on right now. And that also applies to communities around how do we bloom where our community is planted. So maybe we don't have the best um, manufacturing sec- sector, but maybe we have a thriving agricultural sector. How do we lean into our own community strengths and work really, really hard at being the best community we can be and not the best other community that we can be. So it's around not only um, copying or being able to take what a community has done and, and, and kind of plopping it down in your community and expecting it to succeed. It's learning from other communities to be able to support and accelerate what you have going on in your own town. Laudenschlager explains that honest dialogue is important within a community as well. I think a community can identify what their overlooked assets are by asking the community or listening to the community. I think one thing that we perhaps don't do enough is engaging in a back and forth conversation with members in our community who have different perspectives. So as you go out and have those conversations in your community, you might find that the overlooked asset within your community is a dilapidated building that maybe one person or a group of people has a big vision for. In another community, that overlooked asset might be a nearby lake that maybe if it were spruced up a little bit could really be a hunting and fishing tourism draw. But you have to listen to your community to understand what they think is special about their community and why they live there and then be able to build upon that. Sometimes it can be difficult to bring new individuals to the table and establish a process for collaboration. Yetta Gertsen, the Community Development Director of the Idaho Commission on the Arts, describes how her organization helps make that process easier. So one of the programs that I run is the Idaho Change Leader Institute, which brings 12 participants from disparate communities around the state together um, to learn about the change process, how to initiate change in their communities. They go back to their communities and do a project and then come back and share what worked and what didn't work, but what really is the ultimate, um, I think, success of the program is that they form their own sort of regional networks, but then also have this larger statewide network where they have those relationships and can call someone up and say, hey, I'm dealing with this, or um, we're looking at doing you know, arts and culture master planning in our city, and I know you've done it, so where do I start? And it's just that increasing that brain gain, you know, of, of um, different sharing resources in terms of not just, you know, I think we attach resources to money often, but it's often those ideas and working models and case studies and the sharing of those that um, is actually much more beneficial that whole idea again of taking you know 12 stakeholders from a community who have different needs and wants together to uh, look at the change and and navigate it and uh, yeah learn how to listen learn how to communicate learn how to negotiate um, so that you know all ships rise like Laudenschlager Gertzen also points to collaboration as a way for local groups to succeed. Rural communities, uh, because they're maybe limited in, in financial access, they come up with more 
creative strategies and they really come together to partner and the communities that are doing the best work, you're seeing that um, cross-sector partnership. So there might be a local arts commission, but they are involved with the city and arts and culture becomes part of the master planning of a city. And so often, I think People are seeing each other as competition, but when they come together to work on a common goal, there's just so much more success. So when arts organizations stop seeing each other as competitors for donors or ticket sales, but actually can even just collaborate around scheduling and not overlapping events. Gertzen highlights an Idaho town in which new partnerships and improved communication have united community members around an ambitious goal. Sandpoint, Idaho, here in northern Idaho, is a community of about 8,000 people, and they have just embarked on their first arts and culture master plan as part of the city's comprehensive plan, which will then eventually also feed into the uh, parks and recreation plan, which is makes so much sense, right? Because you're engaging public spaces through arts and culture. And for such a small town, they have such a vibrant arts scene. And it is one of their goals to be a, you know, a a national example of a small arts community. And uh, I think the last time we did an economic impact study, you know, it's over 3 million a year for a community of less than 8,000 people, which is pretty phenomenal. But it's taken that, um, coordinated effort to involve city stakeholders, local artists, you know, um, so often we do the planning without the people that it's affecting. And so bringing those artists and arts educators to the table, they hold a monthly event called The Conversation that does just that. And they talk, um, they have a different topic every month and everyone's coming together from from different sectors of the community all for the purpose of building that that strength around the arts another reason for communities to unite and form creative partnerships is the west's iconic scenery and wildlife andrew black the public lands field director of the national wildlife federation explains why and so as i was listening to those themes of connectivity and community and opportunity i was reminded of one of all the leopold's quotes and he said you know Basically, we abuse the land because we regard it as a commodity belonging to us. But when we learn to see the land as a community to which we belong, we will use it with love and respect. And so one of the things that Leopold knew was that when we were talking about community in the West, we're not just talking about being in community with one another. You know, we're talking about being in community with the land, the water, and the wildlife, right? And so, you know, when we're talking about protecting wildlife, I think, here in the West and, and you know, growing up here in New Mexico, I think when, we're, when we really start to talk about protecting wildlife, we're also talking about protecting a way of life, mm-hmm. right? And it's about protecting opportunities for rural communities and protecting the outdoor recreation economy that gets associated with wildlife. Black explains the importance of developing partnerships to maintain that natural environment, which is both a defining feature and economic driver for many rural communities. 
one of the initiatives you know we're working on right now um, at the National Wildlife Federation is focusing on wildlife corridors in the Upper Rio Grande, um, and we kind of define the Upper Rio Grande as you know the southernmost point being kind of Sandia Pueblo, right on the border and edge of Albuquerque, New Mexico, um, all the way up to Creed, Colorado. And this area has been identified as one of the most intact and pristine wildlife landscapes in the country. And so, you know, the area has got incredible wildlife in it. I mean, you've got Rocky Mountain bighorn sheep, Canada lynx, um, you know, huge herds of elk, mule deer, and pronghorn, you know, cougar, black bear, kind of the whole, the whole deal. Um, but, you know, you also have, you know, incredibly important human communities that surround this landscape mm-hmm. whose culture and history and traditions are all rooted in the land, right? And so we work with all of these different communities and stakeholders to kind of how do you protect wildlife connectivity and, yeah, you know, how do you ensure that your, your kids and your grandkids will be able to see wildlife in this area or hunt in this area for years to come? You know, when there's fragmentation in human communities, that leads to fragmentation on the landscape and fragmentation of wildlife. So our job is to get, you know, federal and state agencies, tribes, private landowners, sportsmen and women, um, conservation groups, all in the same room talking about how do we manage for wildlife together? Um, How do we work with traditional land users who have been on this land for 400 years and for 45 generations, right, here in New Mexico? And so, you know, that's what that collaboration looks like, and it's fun, and it's challenging and it's it's dynamic but it's it's really cool interesting kind of cutting edge work the elk doesn't know whether it's on private land or public land. It, right. the, the elk doesn't know if it's on BLM land or forest service land, right? Um, and the eagle, as it's flying over, doesn't necessarily care either. What it knows is pristine habitat and a place that makes sense for calving or breeding or to move across the landscape. Um, and so we work, um, you know, not just on public lands, but of course we work with private landowners. We work with tribes um, and and kind of realizing that that all of those entities are really critical to maintaining healthy ecosystems ecosystems and supporting wildlife. As Black, as well as the rest of our guests have explained, there are a variety of different ways that rural communities are collaborating in order to become stronger. Be sure to join us next time when we'll learn about a series of transformative economic opportunities that are being capitalized upon across the West. Thanks for listening to this episode of Out West, presented by the Western Governors Association. To learn more about Governor Burgum's Reimagining the Rural West Initiative, please visit westgov.org initiatives. Finally, WGA would like to thank Megan, Andrew, and Yetta for their insights into today's topic.